Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, guys. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast. I'm here with Nana Queer from GB News. Nana, you're so courageous and so fiercely honest. And I can't imagine being as brave as you are. I want to ask you real quick. This is just something I've thought of as I've watched your career. You're very into fitness. That is something that you're very passionate about. Do you think that your 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 involvement in fitness has made you as courageous as you are on TV and as courageous as you are just with with your morals and your values? It's interesting that you say that because I hadn't really thought about that. But when I was younger, I used to be a gymnast and I actually still do it. So I've just rejoined adult gymnastics um, and I do Ashtanga yoga, which is a gymnastic based yoga. And my move in gymnastics was a round off. So this is like an Arab spring and then like 15 backflips in a row. So I had the record and then a double back somersault at the end. So I don't know where that came in my mind to be able to do that. And I could still do a lot of that. So I think that something about that, being able to throw yourself backwards, trust yourself that you will catch yourself and then throw yourself in the air, trust yourself that you will land and then trust it. It's almost as though it's an unthinking. As soon as you start to think about it, that's when it starts to go wrong. So I think something in that sort of warrior sort of just run because you run, you do a roundup, you do a backflip, you go and you go. And every time you do another backflip, you go faster and faster and faster. And at the end, the somersault at the end, when your feet hit the floor, when you actually you're about to you land on that somersault, the bounce is so high. It's like about like 15 feet high from all the, the, the power and pace that's gone into that. And I suddenly thought to myself, wow. Because that last jump at the end is like the courage. Yeah. It's like the courage. It's fearless. And I think being a gymnast made me fearless. I think that's that's probably that's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I mean, I know that my audience is familiar with you, but for, for anybody that might not be, it's only become it's only become popular or uh, acceptable to crit- criticize the Sussexes within, I'd say, the last six months. But before that, if we said anything even remotely, it wasn't all of the um, the blondes in the United States that have all of a sudden taken, uh, t- decided that they're going to jump on the anti-Harry and Meghan train. Where were mm. you guys a year ago? You've been saying for man, you've been with GB News from the get from the get go, and you've been saying GB News, yes. On ITV, when she did the interview, I said, I'm sorry. I, I went on, I was actually on the same show that Piers Morgan walked out on. So I was on that show um, and I did my piece. And, and, and I remember Piers going, yeah, it's what Nana says. Because I said that actually, I, you know, if anyone was being towards racist, race, race, if anyone was being racist towards Megan, that I, you know, I would support her. But... My son is called Ivory. He's mixed race. And we were all laughing and joking. It's like, well, what if it comes out really dark? Because obviously Ivory is a light colour. And we were laughing about this because then perhaps we should have called him Ebony. You know, we were laughing. This is not racist. And I, as a black woman, we always talk about, you know, how dark will the baby be? Will it have my big nose? Who's, who, you know, who, whose lips will it have? Will it this? I mean, 
that was not racist. And I actually disliked Megan before that, actually, because I'd been on Jeremy Vine's show, couldn't stand the way she was preaching about the climate, having taken, I think it was 11 private jets. Elton had actually lent her a jet and she'd gone back and forth. And then she came back and then talked about climate change. And Prince Harry said that they would offset their carbon footprint, which is a load of baloney, because how many trees do you need to plant? Where will the trees be? How long will it take? It was absolute nonsense. I just did not like the cut of her jib after all of that. I mean, I liked her at the beginning. We all liked her at the beginning. But I'm afraid she played the race card. I mean, she doesn't even look black. I would never see her as black. And for her to dare to try and take on the challenge that I've been through and pretend it's her struggle, absolute rubbish. Do you feel like Meghan and Harry used the United States press against the UK press and used the oh, racist yeah. narrative to elevate themselves in the, in the United States? Oh, yeah, because they thought that you guys would fall for it, hook, line and sinker. But we did, did, Nana, we did. <laughs> you fell for it. But then we all loved her at the beginning. So you went on the journey that we went on. We loved her. I didn't think there's anything wrong with her. I thought she was absolutely amazing. When I heard that she was with Harry, I punched the air. I was driving. I took my hands off the wheel. I was like, yeah, I remember that moment because it was such a groundbreaking moment that somebody in the royal family would be of mixed race, although there have been black princesses before, by the way, but, you know, in my lifetime, never. So I thought this is wonderful. But to be honest, she's an embarrassment to black people and she's not black. And what really, really got my goat up was when she started saying, for the first time ever, when I went to the UK, I felt like a black woman. And I thought, what you mean is this is the first time that you've acknowledged that you have any black in you because the British people have embraced it and you've had to admit it. And now you've realised you're thinking you're thinking I'll use that as a race card. And she's realising how powerful it is. And it's always obviously I, I, I just didn't believe it from the beginning. I know what racism is. I, I've been through it. I've lived it. The British people are phenomenal. I was born in this country in Britain and, um, you know, I was born in Newcastle it's in the northeast of England. There we were the only black people there <laughs> and they were phenomenal. The people have treated me with such respect. So, you know, she, she doesn't know the people of this country. I think it's really wrong of her to, to, to try and pretend that she, she did. That's what I was thinking, too, because whenever I go and I really only stick it within London when I'm there, but it is so incredibly beautiful and diverse mm. Uh, I mean, it's not a sea of white faces when I whenever I'm there, you can go to, to Harrods, you could just, you know, walk around Tide Park. I it's amazing the div diversity that I see around there. So and, and actually, it's I feel like our country is much more racist here in the States. What did she think she could get away with with in, branding an entire country, a racist country? And honestly, yeah. what was the objective there? Well, I, I think it's quite amusing when they, when Harry backtracked when he saw his face on that interview. I mean, that was hilarious. Racism. Did she actually say that? Uh, and then they started to talk about Susan Hussey. No, she's not racist. I know these people. They're not racist. It's like, uh, or, or, or why didn't... And then he said, silence is betrayal. Well, uh, from your own records, you are betraying her by not saying anything. I mean, the gall of the two of them. I actually think it's quite funny that they thought that they'd get away with that. The British people aren't racist. I used to live in the United States. I used to live in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and I lived there for five years. I went to a boarding school in the UK. My family lived in America. And when I was there, and that was, oh, let me say, I was, uh, oh, let's see, I'm 51 now. So let's talk, let's say it was uh, quite a while ago. I must have been 11 to about the age of 15. The idea of mixed 
races, so sort of mixed couples, black and white, was still something that was difficult to grapple with at that time. In this country, it was happening already, and it was quite something that was perfectly, you know, we'd, we'd expect that. So it is quite interesting that Meghan thought that she could sort of try and play the same narrative that's in America, because no, I would say America is more racist, but that's because there are so many larger uh, globs of different communities. So you've got a big Latino community, you've got a big African community, you've got a big white community, you've got quite a big, quite a swell, whilst in the UK, I think uh, black people make up somewhere between three and seven percent or something of the population, tiny. Yeah. But I also think that in the States, our politicians kind of that is there. It's gasoline on an open flame. And a lot of the issues we have is because our politicians are looking to create this um, this anger with each other. Mm -hmm. We feel like we are in it's this battle between good and evil. And it makes people much more passionate about a cause that really only benefits that that specific politician at the end of mm -hmm. the day. Um, do you think that Megan has political aspirations? I thought so until I read Harry's book mm. and I thought, who wants that guy in the White House who's doing cocaine in his <laughs> book and talking to Courtney Cox's toilet? Well, you see, this is the problem, isn't it? I, I mean, this is my opinion of this. For me, he demonstrates addictive person an addictive personality. And I know because I, I've, in my time, been out with a, a couple of those type of people. And I've discovered that an addictive person is a sort of love bomber at the beginning. So that's the sort of sign of a narcissist. That's the sort of, they're both a bit like that. And then you've got this addiction to the a relationship that could be toxic, but you're still going with it and you, 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 you'll cling to it. I mean, where... I was thinking about this in my car today, where I do have a sort of little bit of respect for Harry and the fact that he is sticking by his woman no matter what. And right. that is admirable in some respects. But, I mean, if you'd read any of the British press, he's saying that he was saying the royal family know what they've done. They need to come clean or else. We're, and this is just like a threat. Yeah. Or else I've got enough room for another book. I had to choose what to cut out of the book. I had like 800 pages. I had to cut it down to 400, he was saying, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like a, a threat, really. And right. that's, thing. that's exactly what it is. Child. It's like a child. It's pathetic. Specifically when it comes to the book and... I mean, I just look at what they're doing and, and it does seem like Endgame is mm. to destroy the royal family. Am I wrong or is it, or is Endgame just, we're going to do whatever we can to fill our pockets because Chelsea Davies was pa paying for Harry's mm. dates. Meghan Markle was paying for the couch on couch.com. This is the first time in his life he's ever been responsible financially for anything. Mm. Yeah, what a mess, isn't it? Because he, he didn't realize things cost money because they don't in this country need to carry money around because the Queen has her head on the money. So it's their money. Um, I, yeah, he suddenly realized that things cost money. What they swapped was the longevity and stability of the monarchy for the vacuous emptiness of Hollywood, which is fine. I mean, Hollywood is a fabulous place. Don't get me wrong. I'm not insulting uh, celebrities or any in that. Of, but what I am saying is that it is a very fluid business, isn't it? It's it's a very shallow business because one, one day you're flavor of the month, the next you're not. With royalty, you are always royal. It is something that stays with you. And I think he, he's only just realized what he has exchanged. It's like you've exchanged platinum for this this melting bit of zinc that looked the same but it isn't and i find i think what what's happening now is 
he is very bitter. He's been bitter all his life by the fact that he's not the, 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 the chosen one, as it were. He believes that he was treated in a bad way because he's a spare. I mean, the book, literally within the first few pages, he's already telling, talking about William, how William is balding, losing his looks and doesn't yet, doesn't losing his resemblance to Diana. And then a little bit further on, not much further on, he talks about Balmoral and the 50 bedroom and, and, and how he, he gets a not as nice part of the room. And then another one where he's, uh, I mean, it, all if if you even if you strip away what he's saying, all he's saying in that book is it wasn't me. It's not fair. I'm the spare. That's it. That's it. that's that's the book. The book is spare. It's true. If that's all it is, that's all. It's, that's all it is. In one word, spare. It wasn't it? me. What was that? Yeah. It wasn't me. It's not yeah. fair. I'm the spare. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so that veiled threat you talked about, sorry, this just came to me as you were talking. He does mm. say the family knows what they did and now yeah. they've been caught and I want an apology. Is he referring to this this myth that he's created of this collusion between mm. the British press and the royal family? And if so, how is that any different than Harry cherry picking his friends to do mm. these bombshell interviews with him? These people that don't challenge him at all. Well, yeah, I mean, Tom Bradbury, I think his career just went down the pan from that one. He's the ITV presenter, reporter, whatever. I'm not going to call him a journalist because that wasn't journalism. Even when he realised, when he realised that, um, when he went, uh, when his face went, oh, so that wasn't racism. It's like, Harry's just throwing you under the bus. Are you going to ask the question that you should be asking, which is, well, you allowed, you stayed silent. Surely that was betrayal in your own words. Because if I were interviewing Harry, which will never happen because I'm a journalist, um, that will never happen because he obviously won't let me. But um, Tom Bradbury, just he just threw him under the bus. Because if, the, if the, you're, you're, you're a journalist, you're interviewing someone, you may be a friend, but you still have to answer the correct questions, the right questions, the raw questions, because that's what journalism is about. It's about finding the truth. Right. And um, he didn't bother with any of that. So, I mean, it's embarrassing, really. And racism, you know, I don't, Meghan Markle did not use the word racism, but she specifically said that it was not the royal family's right to take away Archie's title, a title that he was not given, a title that didn't exist for him yet because he was the great grandson's child. You know, he was the, the he wasn't that's something for King Charles to determine. Right. I mean, that yeah. you're saying he doesn't get a title and he's not getting security to me because of his skin tone. That's racism. And that's very dangerous oh, yes. to throw that but, on the family. Yeah, she did. She, she, she was alluding to that. And then she went, well, if that is your assumption, it is a fair assumption to make. Well, okay. So you're allowing Oprah to, I mean, Oprah over-dramatise it. I used to love Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah, if you are listening, I'm so disappointed with you. Frankly, she was my inspiration. I wanted to be the British Oprah. When when we came to America, I, that was the first time I ever saw Oprah. And I thought, this is the woman that I want to be like. And that one interview there, I was so disappointed. Although I commend her for enabling Megan to open her soul. So if that is that is the gift that Oprah has, then you win on that. But the, the due diligence as a, as a reporter, and I suppose you're a presenter and not a journalist, but it, I would have hoped that you'd ask the right questions, but then that would have hit, hit the cutting room floor, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have made it, wouldn't have made the cut. So Oprah probably knew that. But yeah, I mean, in a way, Oprah did well to enable her to expose her truth. Uh, as we know, that's just a load of lies. Uh, but at the same time, Oprah, I think, let herself down in the same way that Tom Bradbury has just uh, embarrassed himself, as far as I'm concerned. Very when you're looking at the last two years that the mm. Sussexes have settled within the United States, what is 
where are you most horrified? Is it the six hours of Netflix? Is it the book? Where, I mean, where do you go? Oh my gosh, I don't know who's advising them, but fire that person immediately. God, there's so much to choose from. I mean, I think for me, the Arsewives podcast. Oh my gosh, really? I mean, that was awful. Awful. I knew exactly what you meant, but yes. It was awful. I think that what it was about that was the patronizing nature of it. I think that is where, when the American people started to listen, really listen, because she was so patronising. I mean, I can remember one when she was talking to Serena Williams, and Serena Williams went, Serena Williams went I love the way you talk to me. I thought, yeah, listen to her. It's horrible. She's like, literally, it was so sweet and sickly. And, you know, it it just, it, I couldn't listen to all of it. It's a bit like Harry's book. I try to read Harry's book. Um, I keep falling asleep. So I've not managed to get to the end. I literally, I start reading. It's like last night I tried to read more and I woke up like about uh, two o'clock in the morning. My glass is like this and my, you know, and the light on and my tea just like, and I thought, oh God, you know, and I just was not able to get through it. And I've tried. I didn't buy it. I acquired a copy, which I wasn't prepared to pay for it. Um, I think to me, it, it was probably the podcast where I got the most entertainment from, uh, you know, she was talking about, I don't know what, I don't think she understands what archetype means anyway. No, and, not yeah. the same as stereotype, but There's somebody no needs to tell her. <laughs> we'll see. I, you know, that's the only time where I think that they, maybe their, their team, the strategy, I mm. kind of understood what the strategy was. She was using that podcast mm. to fight these stories about her or these what she considers to be lies about her but she did it through having other people come on the podcast mm-hmm. who had experienced something similar and mm-hmm. then she would make it all about her oh well yes i i personally experienced this mm-hmm. too so i at least they she kind of tried to hide how blatantly you know narcissistic that project was but with harry's book i just feel like um First of all, it's he. It makes him look like an idiot, and I'm surprised mm. that he would put himself in a position where he would look like an idiot. You mm. grew up with this prince, just always in the papers. Mm. You grew up watching this young boy become a man. Mm. Are you disappointed in the man he's become? To be honest, I don't know whether it actually surprises me at all. I mean, this is the boy who dressed up as a Nazi True. to go to a party, and I don't know what in your world would possess you to do that and find that entertaining or amusing, especially being the prince, uh, the son of you know the future king at the time, because King Charles wasn't on the throne. So I was pretty disgusted with him then, if I'm really honest. I felt really sad for him, obviously, with his mother passing, but he hasn't got uh, the exclusive on death of, of a mother when he's young. I know many people have lost their um, parents when they were young and in far more tragic circumstances. And certainly they didn't have the privilege and, and money that his family have enjoyed. So he has many advantages. Uh, so if I'm honest, I thought he would be a bit, a bit stuck up, a bit lofty. It didn't really, his, his behaviour... Um, doesn't really surprise me. But what surprised me is the fact that he's able to turn his back on his family. I think the more shocking thing was the fact that he was so envious. That was the bit, the envy within him and the bitterness towards his brother, even though ultimately his brother would have taken care of him, looked after him. I know I'm an elder sister. I've got a younger sister. There was a bit where she didn't like me at all, but I was always looking out for her, always taking care of her. And I, I, I just feel that, you know, he, I kind of expected his his aloofness and his his sort of, stuck upness but what i what i really am disappointed with is the treatment to the rest of his family because that's the disgusting bit where 
you, you don't do that to members of your family. There was no trust there. No one could trust him. I, I could, you know, if, if he was my brother or, or relative, I, I, I couldn't trust him. You can't have a secret private conversation with them. They can't trust him. No, absolutely not. Um, no. What what do you admire about the royal family? Because I want I do want to say some positive things. You you know, are you a monarchist? What do you admire about the royal family, and what do you think we can look forward to during a King Charles reign? Well, if I mean, like we discovered that King Charles has a little teddy bear, <laughs> yeah. which actually endears you more to him. If you thought that he was embarrassing his dad, what he's done is he's made people realise that he's a softy. I like King Charles actually. I think he's you can see he's a real softy. He's a bit he's a bit silly, isn't he? He's a bit sort of tim tim, nice but dim. But on the same time, he's quite sensitive and caring. What I like about the royal family is the fact that they have stayed silent. The fact that they haven't said anything, the fact that they've just let Harry just implode. And I think that is something that is really, really amazing about them. And King Charles is saying that we must have a meeting and sort this out. Because I think what's happened is Harry is in his own world of delusion as to how he's been treated, what's happening. He's seeing it from his side. He doesn't seem to be able to see how other people see it or from anybody else's perspective. And that is a problem because he believes what he's seeing. And sometimes when you're in the fit of jealousy or envy, which is where he's at, what you see is almost like a it's, it's, it's like distorted. Yeah. And that's where he's at. And he's, he's behaving with the distortion as though it is the truth. And he's not really prepared to listen, but they know him best. So hopefully they can get through to him. And I think they need to, as I think they're doing, is take him away from Megan to get through because I think she sort of embellishes the delusion. And I think she could probably see around it. Well, tell me if you think that I'm correct. You know, Harry talks about the palace leaking to the media. Mm. I get the sense Megan is not this delicate flower. Megan comes from Los Angeles, California, where leaking mm. a story or swapping a story, uh, Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles, California, that's a typical Tuesday. If a, yeah. if a publicist doesn't want a story about their client in the paper and they know they have gossip on somebody else, they'll pick up the phone and call TMZ and say, no, but I can give you this. Mm. Um I get the sense that Megan was one of the leakers. I get a sense that Megan found well, that's out. What I thought. Yeah, yeah, and and that you know specifically <laughs> with their mm. with their exit, Dan Wooten would never say it, but you get the yeah. sense that with their exit, maybe Megan actually leaked that story because she was trying to push the palace in a certain direction. Well, potentially. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past them. And I, I just find it amazing that he's blaming, talking about these leaking and briefing. And doing exactly the same thing. It's like on television live. You're leaking, and, and you're 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 briefing journalists and the press. What were these three interviews that you had? The the leak of the book in Spain. I don't know whether that was orchestrated, but it does seem a bit odd that the book arrives a few days early, so the bits and salient bits can be leaked to get the interest, so that people then start to. I mean, come on, come on. They're doing exactly the same thing. Even what they, what they accuse Thomas Markle of doing, it's like, even if it, it turns out he wasn't, you know, what they put out there isn't quite how it is. But how unforgiving of them! I mean, right when what? they're when they're begging for reconciliation, it's like you have to you, reconciliation. Why don't you work in your clean up your own yard first, yeah. and then come back over here? It's just it's just the gall, the blindness of their own behaviour. And then to be so expectant that others should, anything goes as long as they get their apology because they're in the right. It's it's almost like we hold the moral high ground. So whatever we, so we can do whatever we like, we can call you fascist, we can call you this, we can call you that, because we believe we're morally right, so it's okay. 
And I, and I feel that's where he's at. He's in this place. We hold the moral high ground. You did it first. Whatever we do is fine until you say sorry. Yeah. Uh, accountability. Accountability is his favorite word. Uh, tell me if you agree with me here. I feel like because of Harry and Meghan's destructive behavior, mm-hmm. I feel like they're bringing Diana's legacy down because we are now yeah. saying, we're now saying, well, Diana wasn't perfect. You're painting this woman as a perfect woman. You know, she had this relationship here. She had this relationship there. She called somebody 300 times and hung up on them. It's yeah. bringing up really negative stories about Diana because he's painting her as a saint and then trying to compare his wife to her. And to, as a Diana lover, we're on a Diana themed podcast. That really frustrates me. Yeah, he's he's just literally anything under the bus will go with him. I don't, you know, I think he needs to stop. I wish he would. Um, I like we liked the mystique of the royal family. I love the mystique of them. I love the fact that we have a royal family in this country. He seems to think that he should bring down the monarchy. He doesn't understand that if he does, then that's him as well because mm-hmm. he's trading on the titles. And to bring down the memory of his mother in the way that he is by giving away some of the personal things that I would rather that you know we don't need to know that. I mean, if he could just, you know, respect other people's privacy. Okay, by all means, tell people about your frostbitten penis and the eight-hour cream and all that nonsense. If you want to chuck that out there, chuck it out there. But why are you giving away stuff about William as well? I mean, just, just it's just nasty. It's it nasty. Is. Okay, Nana, how can people keep up with you? Because you are on top of this stuff every week and you are so feisty and so fierce. You you have like the highest views on the GB News YouTube because everything you say is so on point. So how can people keep up with you? Well, I'm on GB News on uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, between four and six. That's UK time. And uh, yeah, you can stream it live on YouTube if you just search for GB News. I will have my own YouTube site up. Yeah, when I'm a bit more popular, because <laughs> I don't think anyone will you're watch there. it. Not you're, like you're there. I think you're ready. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for your time today. You are such a beautiful person inside and out. And again, I just I envy your courage because you just are so you're fearless. And it's such it's such a beautiful thing to see. Well, thank you so much, Kinsey. That's lovely. And I hope you, hopefully you'll appear on my show as well. Absolutely.